0: What's up, guys? It's Tommy from Tommy's Podcast. Do you have a podcast? Do you want it censored? Then go to YouTube, go to Reddit, go to iTunes. If you don't want it censored, go to Spotify or Rumble. But Spotify pays me more than Rumble, so I'm going to record this ad for them. You can upload it. Trust me. Whether you got a crappy podcast on on a MacBook above your parents' garage and it's echoing and everyone can hear the despair and desperation in every syllable you try to eke out without wanting to cry or whether your podcast starts to actually make a couple shekels and you got a cool apartment and an air conditioner that works most of the time, use Spotify. Use Spotify for podcasters. Yeah, you'll start off getting a couple pennies, but I'm several years into it now and I've made, I don't know, I think about a thousand bucks. It's better than nothing. It's better than working at a liquor store with people you hate, with customers you hate, and a boss that hates you. So join Spotify for podcasters and you'll actually start making money. It's worked Some it's worked for me. I'm really tired. Mr. Gordon Chang, who's been on here once before, author of The Coming Collapse of China, as well as The Great U.S.-China Tech War. Gordon, please introduce yourself real quick. I know I only got you for 20 minutes, so we'll jump right into it. But for all the new listeners, please introduce yourself.
1: I'm Gordon Chang. I'm the author of The Coming Collapse of China and The Great U.S.-China Tech
0: War. And you can follow me on Twitter at g o r d o n g. C-H-A-N-G. And I will put that in the description and the top comment, as always, is I have your Twitter pulled up right now. Um, so the one thing we talked about last time, and it's I would like to think I'm a moderately intelligent person, but I was kind of taken aback that I never thought about it, is really what you kind of laid down is we have, you know, so I've interviewed Brigadier General Robert Spalding, author of Stealth War. And we talk about this, you know, China rising. I'm 31, but I've heard that term all my life, China rising. Um, And then more so in the last couple of years, you kind of maybe hear or maybe it's been around longer. I'm just now coming aware of it. It's a it's a paper dragon, right? It's not it's perhaps uh, it's an illusion. But those are two kind of it's either the biggest enemy and we're done for or it's really just a shadow. You have a third proposition that is terrifying, but I think probably the most realistic. And it's a combination of the two. And the fact that it is becoming weaker is actually makes it more dangerous. You know, thank God Hitler didn't have nuclear weapons. If he did, the end of the war would have been much more dangerous. Where are we now on that with with Evergrande, Evergande, or yeah, collapsing? With, you know, building up forces on Ukraine with Russia, is China going to make a move on Taiwan, us putting, you know, training soldiers in Taiwan right now, for all future listeners, today's Thursday, January 6 2022. Where are we right now with China being backed into a corner?
1: Well, China is, and the context is, that it is getting weaker. Um, it's got some problems it can't solve. And I think it makes it more dangerous because uh, Chinese leaders see a closing window of opportunity. And also, it gives them an incentive to lash out at foreigners to sort of solidify their position back home. Uh, you talked about Evergrande, which is the once the largest Chinese property developer. Um, it has about $305 billion in liabilities. It's now being taken apart. Um, but it's not just Evergrande. There are other property developers, about a dozen of them, that have failed to make bond and other payments payments since September of last year. And the whole problem for China is that the property sector is somewhere between 25 to 30% of gross domestic product, and it accounts for a staggering 70% of the wealth of Chinese people. Uh, so it is absolutely critical to most households. And, and another context item is that uh, China just has too much debt. Um, It has somewhere between perhaps 350 to 400% of its gross domestic product is debt. So when you look at those numbers, it's very difficult for China to get past them. But of course, debt is not the only issue. It's got a stagnant economy, worsening food shortages, a deteriorating environment, and the country stands on the edge of a demographic collapse, the steepest in history in the absence of war or disease. China, according to Chinese demographers, will lose half its population by 2065. And if you project out the numbers, it means that by the end of the century, China will probably have one third of the number of people it has now, which is 1.41 billion, Beijing says. So you put all those together and you've got to worry that Chinese leaders now have incentives to do things that could take us by surprise.
0: Now, with all of these things, right, debt, or the collapse of the real estate market; these are all things that are much more difficult to change with the flip of a switch. It seems like to me, just looking at it as clearly, you can see which side my bias is on with the flag behind me. <laughs> to me, I'm looking at it as I, I don't, I don't quite feel so comfortable. I was, I had on Claire Lopez yesterday, a CIA veteran who's a huge fan of yours, and she brought that up too, the 2065 date. To me, that doesn't make me very comfortable because unlike new aircraft carriers or stealth bombers or hypersonic missiles you could really they could change that population problem i would in all of my naivety i would assume rather quick of all the problems to have right i mean i can it's a lot harder to lose weight and get a six pack if you said tommy's losing weight hey man i can put on 20 pounds in a week and you just watch me if they wanted to i feel like they could you know they could easily just say hey uh centralized government control now we have a two-child policy now we have a three-child policy is that is that accurate
1: uh, no. Um, okay. One thing that um, uh, totalitarian governments in China is moving back to totalitarianism fast. They can't make people procreate. Um, they can't put a gun to their head and say, you're having children. Um, the problem is that the one child policy, which was in effect from about 1978 through 2015, just ingrained in notion in Chinese people that they should have one or no children. Now, they now permit as many as three children, but we don't see increases in birth rates because of that. Um, And what was really fascinating, Tommy, was um, in a couple, a month or two ago, the Chinese uh, Communist Party Youth League actually published a survey which said something like, um, and Claire probably has the exact number, but like about 44% of Chinese urban women do not want to have, do not want to get married. Now, in China, you can't get a birth permit unless you are married. So what you're doing is taking almost half of the women out of um, this whole notion of creating more Chinese. So um, is, is the one thing that governments, and, and we've seen this not just in China but elsewhere, it's one thing that governments can't do, which is to force people or even to encourage people to have children. They can create... Governments, through incentives, can create short-term bumps in, um, uh, in births, but they can't do it over a prolonged period. These are societal issues, and China right now is in a part of the world which is a demographic sinkhole, and I think that's affecting um, the willingness of Chinese couples to have births. I mean, we see this right now, so I don't think that they can they can have a material effect on the birth rate.
0: Okay, okay. Um, now to be a little more, uh, to be a little more optimistic instead of, of doom and gloom. And, you know, I, I love as a topic, obviously you don't love it. I love the cold war as a topic. I, I just think it's fascinating. The brinkmanship, the technological advances, the sabotage, the black ops. I, I, I just, you know, again, evil, but it, it's interesting. It does give me some hope because this isn't our first rodeo, right? Where it's, you know, what's going to happen when they lash out? I gave the example of Hitler. Well, what about the Soviet Union? They they did have nuclear weapons, you know? And so this whole theory of they're getting more dangerous, and although they were, I mean, anyone alive in October 1962 wouldn't say it was for nothing, or uh, with Abel Archer in 1983, they wouldn't say it was for nothing, but... We did get, by virtue of the fact that I am here talking to you today, I was born in 1990, by virtue of the fact that we are alive and not living under a, you know, a a nuclear winter and, you know, with cobalt and strontium-90 ripping apart our DNA, we did get through it. And we got through it by a massive armament expenditure and by a bunch of proxy wars, Korea, Vietnam, uh, the the Soviet Union and Afghanistan in the 70s. And we did kind of almost like... um, I don't know kind of like locking horns we did butt heads and that bought us time and obviously with reagan's expenditures and with the brain drain and with internal strife it eventually did collapse and i mean kind of like a hostage standoff where it's like there's there's no way this is going to end pretty and then all of a sudden everyone goes home alive and it's like hey we did it <laughs> we did it. it took 40 years 45 years for yeah we did it is there any hope in our Take this out of context; it's going to sound terrible. Is there any hope that we can perhaps do that again? Continue to lock them in a cold war with the uh, President Biden's uh, Pacific uh, Pacific Deterrence Initiative or Pacific Defense Initiative. If we can keep Russia, you know, they don't want to go into Ukraine. They don't want a hot war. We don't want them to go in. If they don't go in, we don't have to let Ukraine into NATO, which is Russia's red line. And if we keep that whole thing cold, I would imagine in as a 31-year-old with no military education. I would imagine that would keep China from jumping into Taiwan. Can we lock horns for 10, 20, 30 years into, God willing, we have a repeat of 1989 to 1991 where it kind of just dissipates and we all look around and go, hey, we're alive. It, it didn't go bad. Is that, is that naive? Is that optimistic? Is that doe-eyed? Or is China a much more lethal uh, variant of the Soviet Union?
1: Anything is possible. So um, that is one scenario that we just outlast uh, the Chinese Communist Party. Um, But the fact that uh, we outlasted the Soviet Union and the Soviet Union collapsed without major consequences doesn't mean that China will. Um, And I think that China's regime is in many ways far more malicious, far more dangerous than Soviet Union. And we as a nation um, and the West and uh, non-Chinese countries, the international system, we're much less prepared. We're not defending ourselves. And so um, although China's a far weaker society than we are, they could very well succeed in their malign goals, um, in their goal to rule the world. So um, we are at one of those points where we as a people have got to start defending ourselves. Because if we don't, we can lose our country. And we probably will lose our country. You you talked about the Cold War. We were a united people. Today, it's January 6th. It's obvious we are not a united people. And we do not have a president who understands the threat from China. So he's not taking adequate measures. So this is very dangerous for us
0: how will we you know i think it was khrushchev that said uh, communism will come to the united states but it'll be raised by its own citizens how how do we beat china can we can we not bank on what we already did can we not just go hey we got to do reagan 2.0 and dial it up do we is it is it is it truly a almost like a, a focus on the moon by the end of this decade do we focus on STEM? How, how does that happen? Is it bringing in more immigrants and having a a fresh group of people who have that hunger for the American dream? Because you're right, it's, it's not in college and high school, when I was really fit, back before I gained a bunch of weight, it was always very easy to go, I'm fit, I'm not going to get fat. But no, the reason you are fit is because you're strict with your diet. It's, You know, I feel good. So I don't need to take this medication. No, no, no. The reason you're feeling good is because you've been taking medication, you've been sleeping, you've been meditating, you've been treating yourself well. Is it is there some hubris in going? We're America. We're going to get it done. It's like, no, 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 no. America gets it done because we don't take that stance of we're America. We look at it as, hey, they could kill us.
1: Well, America did have hubris after the uh, Cold War because um, we said history had ended. Yeah. So we as the victors of that struggle, we not merely wrote the history of the Cold War. I mean, we just abolished history. Yeah. Uh, and right now, um, I think that the problem in the United States is not hubris, um, though there's Maybe some people are overconfident, but it's really a feeling that um, we are helpless against China. It's like the forces of history that China will take us over. So I think it's pessimism. Um, We are, as I said, when you look at the metrics, we're far stronger than China is, Um, but we don't recognize that and we're not willing to use our power because we don't recognize the danger. So we're oblivious and, and that's the risk.
0: I always remember uh, I was really into like uh, I loved watching the Red Sox in like the early 2000s, like college basketball and or like when my brother was on the football team in our high school. And I kind of I remember kind of realized having this observation that you always view the other side as they're about to come get us. But in reality, when you're up by, let's say, and let's say it's March Madness and you're up 10 points with a minute left and in college basketball, that's an eternity. And you're always going, oh, man, we're going to lose this thing. We're going to lose this thing. I always try to remember to switch the mindset and go, how's the other team thinking? They're thinking, oh, God, we're about to go home with a loss. And you have to remember that they are just as fearful. So when I look at, as you just said, pessimism, and I think that's probably much more accurate. It's not hubris. You see it from comedians to just threads on Reddit to, you know, you you hear it more and more and i and i hate it because it's it's spineless it's it's the opposite of masculine it's hey the american empire had a great run guys china's going to replace and i just look at it and i'm like hey we have the 10 point lead it's hey it's diminishing but we have the 10 point lead like let's do a full court press we can still squeak out a win and an ugly win is still a win i think that is probably it we have to realize hey we've we've kind of messed up we've stumbled but this, this thing isn't over. And I mean, do you really want to lose to a, a America for all of its flaws? Hey, man, do you really want to lose to a communist dictatorship? That's that's and that wasn't really a question so much as a statement. But that's kind of my mindset is is drop the pessimism, drop the this is never going to work. If that's your mindset, then check out now. But that is kind of where I'm coming from. Is there so let me turn that into a question. I know I've got you for three more minutes. What can the average person do? And this is the analogy I always use. You can look at the Great Pacific garbage patch, you can look at global warming, you go, Oh, I can't do anything, versus when you finally go outside, you go, Hey, there's a you know, a sprite can on the way to the gym, pick it up, throw it in the recycling. You can do something, you don't feel as helpless. What can people do? Because maybe they're listening to this podcast, they're going, oh, I, you know. I love Gordon. And by the way, you can get his books. I'll put it in the description. I'll listen to his audible. I like Tommy, follow, subscribe. And then that's kind of it. What can the average person actually do to not be a spectator, but rather start participating in the game so they don't feel so helpless?
1: Two things. First of all, um, people can buy products that are not made in China. And um, the second thing, um, and as a part of that, We should be urging Congress to have uh, country of origin labeling. So if you go onto a website, you can see where this stuff is made. Second thing is November of this year. Um, Elect candidates who are going to defend the United States against China. Um, Those two things will take us a long way towards where we have to be. So these are things that we can do. And remember, just look at what happened, you know, in the elections that we, election cycle we just went through. Um, I can remember when uh, people were, didn't even know the name of the Republican candidate for the governor of Virginia. Um, and, and just people came out in droves. Um, and in my state, New Jersey, um, nobody gave uh, Jack Citarelli any chance at all. And with a little bit more money from the Republican National Committee, he probably would have become governor. So, um this is this is really important. We can change um and I'm not saying you have to vote for Republicans, oh, sure. um but you do have to cuz some Republicans are the worst defenders when it comes to China. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but vote for candidates who um will defend us against the militant communist regime and we can do it.
0: Yeah. And it's I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with with loving your country, so many people have this nationalism's poison. I'm sure I'll open to that argument. Maybe it is. Someone could probably argue it well, and maybe I'll change my opinion. There's nothing wrong with loving your country. Just like there's nothing wrong with Chinese people loving China. The idea that we shouldn't be defending ourselves, the idea that we sh- should feel guilty to believe in American exceptionalism or our own survival, to me is is absurd. And full disclosure for everyone listening to this. Gordon didn't ask me to do this. This is me shamelessly plugging his book. But you need to be educated. If you don't know any of this, I mean, I really didn't start reading about China until about 2019. If you don't know any of this, you're not going to you're going to look at someone that says America first and we need to stop Chinese buying up all of our, our property. and You're going to go. That guy's a racist and a xenophobe. Learn about it. Learn about the hundred year marathon. Learn all about it. Learn about their subversive uh, their subversive uh, uh ta- tactics. Once you learn about it and you can become an informed individual, you can start to look. At, if you don't know who this person is, you're going to go, yeah, sure, come to my house. But if you see his face on the FBI's most lo- wanted list, you're going to go, hey, you can't come into my house. I, I know you're looking. You have big puppy eyes. You can't come in. Learn about what's going on and then make your own decision. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you listen to Gordon's book or you listen to uh, Brigadier General Robert Spaulding's book and you go, now these guys suck. Hey, and you're an adult and you can come to that conclusion on your own. I would highly recommend both of your books or Stealth War by Robert Spaulding or The 100-Year Marathon by Michael Pillsbury. Get educated on it and then make your own decision. And as you said, it doesn't have to be Republican. It can be Democratic, It can be whoever. Become informed on it and then make your decision. And you will see that we are facing an existential crisis. And I have kept you for 30 seconds longer than I said I would. I cannot be trusted. Clearly, I am an agent of the CCP. Gordon Chang. Thank you so much. I'll put your Twitter, both your books in the description. Guys, please go follow him. Go buy his book. Thank you so much for coming on here. God bless. And thank you for closing words.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it, Tommy. And happy new year.
0: Thank you so much. Happy new year. God bless America, everybody. Stay safe. Gordon, God bless you. Happy new year to you and your wife. Take care. Recording stopped. Bye-bye.